welcome to the Othello Foursquare podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit othellofoursquare.org. The last few months, I really believe God has been speaking to me and Kenzie about this transition that we're in. And I'm not just saying for our sake as a family and where we're at personally, but as a, like as a church in whole. We're in a season of transition. Like there is something happening in the church, big C. There is something happening with anyone who believes that Jesus is Lord. Like you can see, you can see it. And if you're not on social media, if you're not on, on the internet, if the news, everything, there's just this fight. There's this conflict of good versus evil, the word versus the world. There's, there's something happening. There's a transition. And I, what I really believe today what the Lord wants to, to say is I'm calling my people to cross over. It's time to cross over. It's time to stand up. It's time to get a hold of what I've told my people and now to go to war with it and to fight. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, in just being completely transparent, last week um, this word had been kind of stirring in my heart, right? This transition. We're in a transitional place. And I didn't formally come up here and like share anything that the Lord had been like speaking to me. But last week, I was thinking about it in terms of myself and or in the natural for, for my personal gain. The Lord is transitioning me for my personal gain. Like he's taking me to a place so that I can be like I can prosper in ABC financially um, things that, that, that maybe I was, I was contending for. And that's, that, that's what he's doing. But then this week he's like, I'm going so much deeper. I'm preparing you. I'm transi- you're in this transitional place because I want to use you to change the outlook of what the world sees me as. I'm transitioning you to now begin to step into the, this fight that maybe you don't even see. Maybe you're like, uh, things are good. Like, my life's good. But God is transitioning us to step into a place to say now, okay, I'm going to war. I'm crossing over from this. Maybe even for you, it's sitting on the bench and not really plugging into what God is, is wanting you to do. Maybe it's like, now's the time. It's time to go. It's time to say yes to the calling. And it's time to practically begin to step out and be a voice and be a hand to those in need. So, so this is kind of my heart as, as, I was, uh, as, I was, as I was praying this week because I'll tell you what, God wants to encourage you today that there is, the promised land is right there. It's time to cross over. Okay, but then just hear my heart. It's so much bigger than maybe the breakthrough for a new job. It's so much bigger than a, than a, than a breakthrough for um, whatever material thing or right. that you're thinking about. Yeah. 
Jesus is in it for, like, he's thinking the eternal perspective. And he's like, man, it's time for my people to cross over and begin, like, he wants, right here, he's looking at us, me included, and he's just looking at all of us, and he's saying, I've given you, 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 all these gifts and talents, and now I want you to use them. It's time to take them out and start using the gifts and talents I've given you. It's time to cross over. So that's what he, I, I really feel like the Lord is challenging us today to do. And um, if you have your Bible or not, I'm going to try to share some of the verses. But like I said, there, there's just so much happening in the last, like every single day, God is speaking a new, a new word to me that I feel like it's, it's directed to us, his people. When I say us, his people, it's every, any believer who declares Jesus as Lord. So, transition. The word itself means movement or change from one position to another. Okay, so we're in that place. It's time to move. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. He is changing us. He is changing us. And so, why do we need to know, or what, what's the importance of this transition? Or how, how do we, how do we begin to, to walk in it, like what God wants us, right? So, because maybe you're like, okay, I'm with you. It's time to go. It's time to cross over. How, does, how is that going to look? And we see this, and I, I want us to look at the story of the Israelites. We all know the story of them. They were captive in Egypt, slaves, right? Now they come out of Egypt. They're delivered from, the, the, from being slaves, and now they're embarking. There's this 40 years where they're waiting, okay? And last week we talked about now Joshua who stepped into Moses' role to lead them into the promised land. We read a verse in Joshua 5, if we want to pull that up. It says this, Joshua 5, what do we have? Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm telling you, this is just like the Lord is just wrecking me. He's like, it's time to go. It's time to cross over. Five, ten through 12. It says, on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, these people are camped out. They see the promised land. It's right there. The Israelites celebrated the Passover. Okay, the day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this fruit from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year they ate the produce of Canaan, the land. Here's what I felt like the Lord was saying. Maybe you're confused what we're going on here, but the people, these Israelites, were in Egypt in captivity as slaves. Let's, let's switch it up. What did they actually eat? They ate pretty good food, if you read about it. It says they ate uh, leeks. It was the season of fish, so there was a lot of fish they were eating. Um, garlic and onions, 
This was their diet. This is what they were consuming. Now as we read here, they're, they're eating of manna. Manna is a miracle food. It was a food that the Lord was providing for them. Okay? God is taking us, for them, how much more comfortable do you think it was eating the food when they were slaves than just they were waiting on God to drop this manna, this bread? Don't you think if it was you, it was like, man, God, you're, we, had, we had pretty good food, and now we're eating this? And what, what we're getting to is, when God is taking us through a transition, sometimes it's uncomfortable. What we have, but we have to consume this uncomfortable thing. It's not comfortable. And so he takes them from what was comfortable. Now he takes them. Now they're eating of this. Their diet is eating of this manna, this miracle food, the bread of uncertainty, because they didn't know where it was coming from. And maybe you're in that place, right? It's like in transition, sometimes we're in that, we're eating the manna in transition. I don't know what's next. But you continue to trust God. And now he's taking them into a land where it says what? There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but they ate the produce of Canaan. So now he's taking them, think about this, as slaves, you get to eat whatever is given to you. You don't, you only have what's given to you. But now he's saying, I'm taking you into a land where you can have plentiful, where you can actually sow the ground, where you are, you can actually work the ground. And as much as you work, that's what you'll get. But you're going to, now I'm taking you to that place. The manna has stopped. And so what I felt like the Lord was saying is, it might be uncomfortable for a moment, of transition, but I'm crossing you over. I'm crossing you over. And so sometimes our fruitfulness is linked to this discomfort. Have any of you ever have felt like that? Because here, okay, I'll give you a practical thing. As, a, as, a, as an athlete training when I was playing ball, it's very it's not easy day after day to put in work, day after day to train. It's uncomfortable. It gets exhausting. Sometimes you don't even know if what you're doing is going to be enough. But, God is, but, but there is fruitfulness in the discomfort. And so God is saying what I feel like he was telling us as a people, as a church, and we're all on different levels, right, of our spirituality. But he's still challenging us to maybe for a season, it's time to embrace the discomfort, to, to, to see the fruit. He wants us to embrace the discomfort to see the fruit. And because what, 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 do, you, what do we see? The people did cross over. They entered the promised land. Okay, let's read. Joshua 5, 13 through 15. It says, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. 
And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our enemies? So he said, No, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. These people had been uncomfortable for years on end, right? Almost 40 years, about 40 years, right? And now they see what they've been, what they've been walking toward, what they've been hoping for. It's in front of their eyes. And he lifts up his eyes. He lifts up his head. And he sees, it says, a man opposite with him with a sword drawn. Now, many people... You may think, oh, was this an angel? Was this? But let me just give you some context of any time in the word when someone encountered an angel and the person would bow down and worship, the angel would say, get up. I'm not worthy to be worshiped. So what does this tell us? This man, this army of the, this commander of the army, this was the presence of God. This was God in, in, in his presence. And it takes me back. Joshua was, it was Moses and then Joshua came to take over. Joshua's encounter with this army soldier, the man had a, had a sword. Moses' encounter was with what? The burning bush. God always comes in a way that's going to be what our faith needs. He knew they were going into battle for Joshua. And he's, he, he, he's encountering a man with a sword. You think about Moses, what he was about to embark, all those crazy miracles, turning a, a stick into a, a snake and doing all this, these things that the, the world saw as magic. Well, before he encountered, before he went into that, he encountered the burning bush. It, that, was the, that was God's presence. And so when we're walking with Jesus, he's, he's going to come in a way that we need, that our faith needs. And so we need to stay firm in believing that God, God is going to provide. What really, what really got me about this story, and, and I feel like this morning kind of solidified what God was saying about praise being the highway, that our praise is the way forward, even if we don't see, see it yet, whatever we're dealing with. It says in verse 14, he fell on his face in worship. He was at a transitional place, the place he's longed to be for years. He's finally got there. And he falls on his face to worship. Before continuing to face his enemies, he praises, he worships. It's not insignificant to praise God, to glorify him, to begin to worship him even before we see it. And then it says, the man stood up and, he, and the commander, um, soldier says, Take off your shoes. 
And I said this last week, I'm gonna, and, and I'll say it again. What happens when we take off our shoes and you walk on something, you walk outside, you feel everything. It's sensitive. And God's saying, take off your shoes, stay a while. Where we're going, where he's taking us, where he's taking you, you have to be sensitive to his spirit, sensitive to his voice. You have to draw near. You have to stay a while. It's not a, we have to be willing to actually enter into his, to his presence and listen. And maybe, maybe you're not there. Maybe, maybe this morning you're like, okay, we're like, how? I don't, I don't see the war in front of me. I don't see the tension. But God, God wants to open our eyes to see that, hey, there is something happening outside that he needs his people to fight for. And this is the transition we're in. The transition to say, okay, I'm going to cross over and I'm going to begin to work the land. I'm going to begin to fight, to see the harvest. And so, God is taking us into a new season. It's, it may not be comfortable where we're at right now, but he's prepared a place to cross over. And what's amazing about these people, before they went and walked around the walls of, of Jericho, and it says in the, if you go read it, I encourage you to read it, Joshua, Joshua 5 and 6. It says the gates were barred. The, basically, they closed off anyone who can go into the city, anyone who can come out. Just like in the movies when you see those gates, the bridges lift. It's like no one's coming in, no one's going out. So they, they had no, the, the enemy thought there's no way. When God said, Guess what? Well, I already have someone on the inside, too. What was her name? Rahab? Who was in there working and was, was, was actually like the inside man in the city. And sometimes it may, and this, this woman was a prostitute. And the Lord uses her to help these people. And it may not we may be thinking our help's coming from something we know, from, from the pastor, from this, this person, this Christian, this good person. And it's like, God's like, I'm going to use who I choose to use to bless you. And so we have to stay firm and know that there is an inside man, and not just Rahab, but we, got, we, we have the Almighty God who is now working for us 100% of the time. And he fights for us, and he's with us, so we can't be afraid to actually step into situations. That to, in our human body, and seem uncomfortable, seem impossible. There's an inside person. There is Jesus who stands for us and is actually working for us. And just like these people of the Israelites, when he's saying, and how silly was that? Go walk around these walls, and they're going to fall. How silly is that? Sometimes God tells us to do something and we're like, it couldn't be that easy just to believe or just to begin to, to praise you and, you, and I'll, see, I'll start seeing doors open, walls come down. But he's saying, just listen to me. And this is, 
this story happened so long ago, and as I begin reading it, I'm like, that is unbelievable. That, no, I'll tell you what's unbelievable. We, we believe this, right? And as kids, we hear this story, and it's not fake. It's not just a, a metaphor of, of what God wants to do. Break down your walls. He wants to defeat the enemy for you. No, this actually, just recently, I think it was in 1930, two archaeologists went and, and kind of worked the land. And they began, they began to find evidence of the, the, the structural, the, the, the building on the bottom. And it's like, okay, well, they're like, well, that could have been there. It could have felt that, whatever. So another girl goes 20 years later and begins to dig deeper. And again, they see the same thing. They, they defined it as the walls came down by an earthquake, right, by the shaking and the fire that came down on the city that, well, it was, just, it was just a, everything had burned to ashes. But it was in the matter of, they said this, based off of, they found these jars of food. And based off of these jars of food, they said the people couldn't have died by famine, by, by a lack of food, like most of the cities were, we discovered had been destroyed. But the food was still there, meaning the people were destroyed instantly. The enemy was destroyed instantly. It wasn't a matter of like, over time, they, they, God stopped providing food for them and he did all these things. God said, I'm going to tear down the walls of Jericho and it's going to happen now. And, that, and they believed in the silly word that God said, march around the city and then shout and the walls are going to come down. But there was people who believed the word of God, and there was a man named Joshua who decided to follow God because he had been on his face and knew that the presence of God was going with him, and he was sensitive to the word that God had given him. And so now they're walking, and these people are like, okay, well, we're not sure, but we're going to follow. Get around people who are confident and hear from God, because when they begin to speak words, you begin to say, okay, wait, wait, I'm going to follow. And God... He's, we're in a transitional place. But more than, as, as we're going from one point, changing from one point, from one place to another, God's saying, actually, I'm transitioning you, but I'm also transfiguring you. Is that a word? <laughs> yeah. The transfiguration of Jesus. I don't know. I don't know if we know this story, but in Mark 9, and there's, it's in three accounts in three of the Gospels, but Jesus is transfigured on a mountain. And what I love, and I, I just, I, I, I said this yesterday, and then my wife, as I'm telling her, she mentioned to me something. But, and I wrote it down here because I said, we're actually not in a season of transition. We're in a season of metamorphosis. And I was like, I was like, God wants to metamorphosize us. That's not a word. But you know what? When God speaks a word to to his body, when he wants to get something out, he's usually speaking to the body. And then she pulled up something. She's like, Oh, you, you must have listened to this person. 
they were, they, were, they were preaching this word that God had given. And I'm like, no. And then, and then I look at it, and it's literally talking about the metamorphosis. How God wants to take us, not, not just transition us, but he wants to transform. He wants, he wants to change us from the inside out so that when we get there where he wants us, it's like we are radiant, all his glory. We are reflecting God's glory. And so now we're in the place and things begin to happen because we're not walking in, in this, this human in our own flesh, but we're walking as a reflection of who Jesus is with, with him being the power. And so let's just go there real quick. Mark, Mark 9. It says, and he's in uh, verse 2. Well, actually, we'll start before verse 2, the beginning of the chapter. It says, and he said to them, truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see that kingdom of God has come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for, is it, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they were no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them the orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the teacher of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it, is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done with him everything they wish, just as it is written about him. Jesus takes these, these disciples up to a mountain, right? This is common for them. Hey, we're going to go up with Jesus. He's probably going to pray. But they get there and now Moses and Elijah appear. How they knew it was them, I don't know. But there's, these men had passed away. And now he's standing there with him. And the disciples are seeing, and Jesus, this is what I want to focus on, Jesus. It says, there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Okay, why does Mark include that? Because it wasn't something that, it was, it was a supernatural. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And as I begin to think about this scripture and what it represents, Moses represented the law. We knew that because he was the one God gave him the, 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 the law. And they literally called it the law of Moses. Elijah represented the prophets. Everyone who perf- prophesied that Jesus was going to come, right? And now, as disciples, what does Peter say? I'm going to build a tent, one for 
you, Jesus, one for Elijah, one for Moses. They still didn't get it. Jesus begins in all his glory. So at this time, he's fully human, fully God and fully man. They hadn't seen him in this glory. And it wasn't a reflection. It was actually the radiance of his glory. This wasn't a reflection of of something like Moses had when he would come out of the tent. This was a reflection of, uh, uh, this was his radiance. And what I really believe Jesus was trying to tell his disciples was, hey, the law, this is the law. Moses represents the law. This is the prophets that point to everything that was said about me. But guess what? I am the fulfillment of both. Jesus. Jesus, the fulfillment of both. And while they are no longer standing here, after they lifted up their eyes, I'm here. You have to rely on me. I am I am. I am all in all, Jesus. And that's why we preach the name of Jesus. That's why we believe in the power of Jesus. And then I started thinking, real quick, I want to wrap up with this thought, but Joshua, going back to that story, Joshua was the one to take the Israelites into the promised land. Moses didn't get the chance. He and some believe because of stri- striking the rock. And I believe that's part of it. But also I think the Lord's trying to show us something. The name Joshua, because we've been talking about this the last two weeks, literally means Savior. That name. Joshua can be likened Savior. The name Jesus means Savior. Moses represented the law, how we just said. And I believe Jesus was, was showing them a picture. I'm, I, the law can't take you, can't do for you what Jesus can. I'm taking you into the promised land. And, and, and it's through, only through Jesus that we can get there. And so if you're believing for something this year, this week, and the next few months, if you're in the middle of this transition... Let's be like Joshua's father, okay? Because he was, in all his humanness, in the middle of being a captive in Egypt, a slave. Joshua, his father named Nun. Every, everywhere you read in the Bible it says Joshua, son of Nun. They mention, why did they mention his father? Because it, it, despite being in the most horrible position, feeling like, feeling the weight of the world coming down, defeat, being in slavery. And for us, how can anyone relate being feeling captive to maybe anxiety, um, depression, hurt, like family problems? Like there's this, there's this weight. I'm captive to that. I can't shake it. And none decides to name, and this is what I feel, decides to name his son I'm going to name him Joshua because he's going to be a, the savior of the people. And I believe God is, is calling us. He's saying, hey, begin to prophesy over, to speak it into existence, to put your praise on your lips and, and speak it forward because I have a deliverance for you. And I'm, I'm here to break down walls and deliver you and bring 
redemption to every situation. And he's calling us to cross over. And he's calling us to look different. He's calling us to change from the inside out. And, uh, and it, it takes, sometimes it takes practical things. Waking up and declaring the word of God. If you, can't, if you can't remember what you said, write out a prayer. Write out declarations of what you're believing for. And when you wake up in the morning, start stating them. Start, start praying these things as you're on your way to work, as you're getting ready for work, as, you, as you're at work. Begin to put the word of God on your lips and put praise before you. And, and watch how God begins to break down walls and change every situation. Because he's calling us to step into, and this is a new season. He's calling us to cross over. And I know that might, it, it might seem a lot. It's like, but think about it. If you believe one thing about the word of God, if you believe this word, if you believe it, then you believe you are here for one purpose. And that's to bring his name glory and, and, and to go out into all nations and preach the word and to bring hope to a city, to a nation. And that's, that, that's what it's about. So it's, it's time to cross over. It's time to go. Is, any, is anyone ready to say yes to what God is going to tell them to do? And it could be in the simplest things. Like, I, I need you to start being more vocal when you're at the grocery store. Just love on people. Maybe you need to just go out and, and help someone. That's what we're supposed to be as a church. It's time to cross over because God is... He's, he's on the move. And it's not, when you're going uphill, when, he's, when we're moving, it's not time to take our foot off the gas pedal. We have to keep it down. And God is saying, I'm, I'm, I've prepared a place for you. I've prepared a place for you. It's time to cross over and begin, begin to work the ground. You will, the, the word of God says, you'll reap what you sow. You'll reap what you sow. So let's start sowing something so we can, we, can cha- we, can, we can change the harvest. God, that's what God is doing. That's what he's doing here. Just, you, uh, let's, let's stand. So I think something we can, um, we can, take, we can take home is I feel like this whole day we've been talking about our praise, our praise. Before we, get, before we go where, where God wants to take us, he's saying, worship, worship prepares the way. Worship sets you up for the breakthrough. And so this morning we're going to worship. We're going to give God praise, and we're going to remember what he did on the cross. And so, if you have this, we're going, to take, we're going to take communion together. And the first Sunday of every month, we like, we, uh, yeah, it's going to be in the chair in front of you. And if you, if you, if you believe in what Christ did on the cross, then we invite you to take this. And we believe that when we choose to remember what he did, it gives us hope to step, to continue going forward and step into his promises. So, if you get this open, 
I'm going to read here in, uh, in Matthew. You guys, got, you guys got it? This is like solving a Rubik's Cube, too. Let's read this together. So it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat. This is my body. While he had given thanks. And I'm going I'm to begin to pray for us, but if there's anything you can be thankful for, and you don't have to wait, you don't have to think long before you can just begin to thank God for what he's done, his blessings. But let's just put thankfulness on our lips. And more than anything, what this bread represents when we take this is his body that was broken for us. His body that was broken so that ours can be whole. And so that's what we believe, that we have authority to speak into any circumstance of sickness, disease, mental illness, anything. His body was broken so that ours can be whole. And he's saying, do this. Take, my, take this bread in remembrance of what my body was, what happened to my body for you. And so if you believe that, we'll just, let's just take this bread together. And then it says, then he took a cup and we had given thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is my cup that was poured out as a covenant for many, the forgiveness of sins. And so it's, it's, it's not difficult, but believing in what his blood was for. That he was, he was beaten and his blood was shed so that we can be in right standing with the Father. So that we could come, the veil was torn, so we can come direct access and begin to, to communicate, to have communion with our Father, with Jesus, a living God. His blood made it right. Not any human practices, his blood made it right. So we thank you, God, for your blood that was shed. We thank you that you saw the big picture, even in the midst when, uh, uh, of, of being broken and beaten. You saw us. You saw us in your... And you did it for us. We thank you that your blood was shed for us. We choose to remember and receive this in Jesus' name. Is anyone thankful for the hope of Jesus that we find in Jesus? I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that we get to come into a place to worship him. 
and that God loves us so much that he actually, he's actually calling us forward. He's calling us forward. He's saying it's time to go. It's time to transition. You have the backing of my blood. You have the backing of my covenant. There's, 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 there's no, nothing you have to fear. Just step into it. It's that easy. It's that easy. And so I just want to pray for us before we go. And if there's anyone who's still, who is experiencing, I know we have some people in here who are, there's things that you're battling against and the enemy wants to start, begin to lie and say, hey, this is just the way it is. But as a believer, we believe in the promise of his body that was broken, of the blood that was shed. And now we can come into his, into, into his presence and say, okay, God, Heal me, restore me, redeem me. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that your presence is here. We thank you, Lord, for the blood and your body that was broken. And I just pray for everyone here that we would would receive this in its entirety, that we would not just take this out of mere tradition, but that we would actually begin to realize that you still have the same transforming power and that you're, you, you, you're calling us from glory to glory and blessing to blessing. So God, I thank you for everyone in here. And if there's anyone struggling with any, any physical things in their body, I just pray that you would begin to to pour your presence upon them, that they would feel in their body, that they would begin to feel this, 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 this new energy, that broken bones would begin to shift around, that ligaments would begin to move, that disease would be gone, that cancer would flee, because you've conquered all these things, Lord, and we believe. We choose to say, God, you are for us, not against us. So we lean on your blood and the, the power of your body being broken. And we thank you, God, that you, you are beginning to build up this church to walk in that truth. That even though it may seem so simple, we, we, we choose to embrace and believe and walk in that truth. So, God, we thank you that you are bringing healing to this body and to this room. And we praise you because you are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to partner with OFC, you can give on our website, othellofoursquare.org. Have a blessed day. We'll see you next time.